Hello and welcome to the Wedding Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Pete the Celebrant, and we are proudly sponsored by Easy Weddings. Easy Weddings helps thousands of couples nail their big day every year. With their award-winning directory and their mobile apps, you can find and book top-rated wedding suppliers. You can stay on track with their planning tools, or if you'd like them just to plan your entire wedding, they'll do it for free. So jump on to easyweddings.com.au to start your stress-free journey up the aisle today. Today, we are joined by Eddie Rice from Rice Speechwriting, who has a new book coming out called Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact. We talk about what makes an effective speech, when should we do the speeches at reception, and what do we do if we're worried about someone giving a speech? Well, allow me to introduce the very knowledgeable Eddie Rice. Hello and welcome, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Guide podcast. Today, we are joined by Eddie Rice all the way from Cleveland, Ohio, and he's part of Rice Speechwriting. It's his business. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Peter. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm up. Uh, I'm not even up that early, I'll be honest, where we are in Melbourne, but uh, it is the morning, so I'm going to jump right into talking, which is exactly how every celebrant should do it. How are you? It's, I think it's the afternoon in Ohio. Yeah, it's early evening, around 5 p.m., there you go. There you go. Ready to knock off the day and uh, hopefully enjoy some, some dinner. Yeah, I hope so. I actually have a Toastmasters meeting tonight. So I've got uh, tons of just public speaking to do all evening long, including this podcast. So I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. It's simply the warm up for tonight. Love it. Yes. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into speech writing? Sure. Um, speech writing was something that I actually discovered in college. I took classes on rhetoric and um, did an activity called mock trial where you it was kind of like the debate team except for budding attorneys. Right. And you would um, you know, practice opening statements and closing arguments in a fake case that you would argue against other teams from other schools across the country. Uh, so I really cool. loved doing that. Uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, and that's... I love uh, rhetoric as well um, for classes and just fell in love with speech writing. And it wasn't something that I was going to do straight out of college. I actually was going to be a teacher instead, which I did for five years. But I left that profession and um, said, what am I good at? And I thought, OK, I can write. Why don't I see if I can write speeches for people? And sure enough, there were websites back then uh, very similar to Upwork today that yeah. had people asking for speeches online and I was starting to write for them. Wow. So starting in college as a, I guess a bit of a hobby, something you could do writing speeches. That sounds incredible. Actually, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, did you perform the speeches yourselves or you? Yes, very much. Uh, so when we were in college, um, whether it was part of the rhetoric class or part of the mock yeah. trial activity, we had to perform our own speeches 100% okay. and we would get judged on them, get feedback on them. And the feedback was super critical, um, but it was sure. meant to make better speakers and writers. Okay. Love it. And so from college, you went into teaching and after teaching, uh, looking for a transitioning career and 
speech writing. This is where you've landed yourself and clearly doing incredibly well, uh, being that you have a book that's just about to come out as well. Um, and the book is called Toast. Yes, Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact. There you go. Perfect. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Um, why don't we jump into it? Because I know speeches are obviously a huge part of the wedding, and particularly the wedding reception, and they can be sometimes a little nerve-wracking for the couple, and sometimes they can, they're looking forward to it. And it really depends who's giving the speech, the parents, best man, maid of honour. Um, why don't you give us a bit of a rundown from your experience and you know, from what your book shares, what makes a good toast? Well, first, Peter, what I would say is that you know a, a good toast has two goals. You want to honor the person that you're toasting and you want to honor the event itself, which means you want to tell great stories that honor the person that you're toasting, whether it's the groom or the bride. And you know those stories should be ones that you're comfortable telling um, to any group of people. I, I have what's called the in-laws test, where if you're sitting down at dinner with that person's in-laws, would you be comfortable telling that story to them? And if you are, then you can definitely go ahead and tell it in the toast. But if that situation makes you a little bit nervous, it might make you a little bit embarrassed to tell that story, I would stay away from telling it in the toast 100%. Sure. Um, and then also just honoring the event itself. You want to talk about, you know, why is this day so important? Why is this marriage, this union so important to the couple? What does this day mean to them and to the family and friends that are gathered there? And if you're able to address that part of the evening as well, in addition to the person that you're toasting, you're going to have a well-balanced toast that's going to shine uh, throughout the evening. This might sound like a silly question, but I think it's probably worth asking. With the first test in talking to others, in, in, in talking to uh, the parents of the bride individually um, or the parents of the couple, and you're saying some people might argue, uh, but it will be different because it's in a, in a crowd or it's in an audience opposed to just sitting and talking to people. Why is the test so important? Why is the test so important, excuse me, or the toast? The to oh, so your um, recommendation is to, if you wouldn't give the speech to someone just sitting down, if you're hesitant about that, um, I imagine some would say, oh, well, I wouldn't want to do it one-on-one -on -one with you know, the parents, but I would like to do it in front of the, the audience. And I agree with you that there's a, if you can't do it one-on-one -on -one with someone and if you're feeling a bit like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say these things, maybe you shouldn't say it in front of a large group of people. What are your thoughts on that? Right. I think what happens when there's a larger group of people is that we feel it's a little bit more anonymous at times. I know that's weird to say, mm. but, at the, but at the same time, we also feel as though we have to um, put on a performance for the whole crowd. Mm. And I, I kind of blame Hollywood for this, where we see these toasts that are more roasts for people and yeah. people think to themselves, oh, that's exactly what my speech should be. But, you know, Hollywood's doing that for a comedic effect, for that shock factor, for that humor factor. And yeah. while it's good to have humor in your toast, you don't want to be led astray in thinking that it's a roast instead, when it really should be a happier, more celebratory speech than trying to find the most embarrassing story and one-upping the person that just went up there on stage. 
So that's yeah. really what I was going after at, at that. And I think part of it is with the larger crowd, we feel that need to perform versus maybe if we were just sitting down one-on-one -on -one over dinner, we wouldn't feel that need as much. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, so many times we can hear these, like you said, it's a where people are trying to roast each other. And sometimes it come, comes across as like a, a 21st speech. And um, that's really not what these speeches are for. Sometimes, you know, you might have a, a little story here or there, uh, but it's not the, the emphasis of why you're giving this toast is to just get up there and, and share, share their dirty laundry. Um, exactly. Save that for the bachelor night or was it called stag night? I believe. Um, yeah, save it for yeah. that even. Yep. No, exactly. So when, okay. So in terms of making good speech, so their first recommendation is um, when you've written your speech, would you sit down and share it one-on-one -on -one with uh, your parents or their parents? Mm -hmm. And and the second one was, uh, sorry, it's escaped my mind already. Honor the person and honor the event. Honor the person, honor the event. And I think that is, I was thinking about that before because the, some of the best speeches I've heard at a wedding reception are actually where the person is just complimenting, um, you know, complimenting the, the crowd, the audience, the, but it's, it's actually coming across as sincere and genuine. It's not just a, you know, obligatory, you know, like, yep, yep, bridesmaids, you all look great today. Yep, and let's put our hands together. Um, but the compliments, you know, are coming through stories and they're, they're sharing uh, why they're so great for each other or um, what makes them a great couple. And uh, yeah, I think in terms of just picking up the atmosphere and the vibe of the room, those who come across as genuine with their compliments, it really brings the atmosphere up and people want to hear a great speech. And uh, there are a lot of other factors as well being delivered well, but I 100% agree. Make it uh, complimentary, you know, compliment one another. 100%. Now at a, at a wedding reception, are there any particular times that you would recommend having the speeches. I honestly like it when the speeches are a little bit earlier in the evening. I think this yeah. gives people time to one, get over their speech and get it out of the way because you don't want that person to be nervous the entire evening and do it closer to the end and have them just be nervous that entire time. You can allow all the members of the wedding party to get their speeches out and done with so that the rest of the time can be having fun. And it's a little bit more devious in that, you know, People won't be having won't won't have had as many drinks by that point as well, mm. so they can um, you know be a little bit more sober when they're giving their speech too. So I think the earlier the better with the speeches, and then you can have the dancing and everything else, and the more celebration going on after the speeches are done, and that's going to be a little bit of an easier celebration than you know trying to put them all closer to the end or something like that, where it might not go off as well as you want as hoped that it would. Yeah, I nerves are a huge thing, particularly for people who don't regularly do public speaking. And so that's sort of the one thing. It's like once I get this speech done, I can enjoy my night. So yeah, if you have a little yeah. earlier in the night, they can enjoy the rest of it. Uh, and yes, drunken speeches, while seem quite humorous talking about them, can be quite disastrous observing them. 
You so just have to go on YouTube and look for wedding toast fails. Just put that into <laughs> YouTube and you will see way too many speeches that are underprepared and yeah. overdrunk. And it's just never a good combination. And you don't want anyone in your wedding party to be uh, on YouTube for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we go to talking about preparation for a speech? So whether it's um, you know, the father of one of the, the couples, um, whether it's a best man, maid of honor, uh, maybe an uncle or a godparent that's been asked to give a speech, what would you recommend? Like, where do they start just in terms of that, you know, blank, blank sheet of paper? Sure. Um, and this is written about in the book. And then also, if you reach out to me on my website, writespeechwriting.com, I can send you some of these questions as well. But I like starting out with brainstorming questions mm. that really get the juices flowing for what you want to say about the person that you're toasting. So a few of the questions I have are, you know, what are your favorite stories about this person? What are your favorite memories about this person? Uh, when were they really there for you in life? What impresses you the most about them? What do you like the most about them? What's been their life trajectory that you can tell, um, like their life story? Um, you don't have to obviously tell the whole story, but what are some key moments where they've really shown growth as a person? So it's really starting with questions like that that really show a person's change over time or their best qualities over time. And you want to start with those types of stories. And then from there, I, I usually like to shape the speech into an outline. So what I tell people to do is find one great story that honors the person you're toasting and then create a good message for the other person of the couple and then end the speech with just a one to two line cheers um, that sums up what it is that you wanted to say. And then, of course, you can add some advice in there if you have it, if you're someone who's married as well, um, advice for the happy couple on how to live a happy life. But you keep it really short, about three to five minutes long, and you get up, say what you need to say, tell the one great story, give some advice, give the heartfelt message to the other member of the couple, and then sit down. You don't have to be up there for 20 minutes. Um, and then ultimately, before that, just rehearse the speech as much as possible. And if you can do that and internalize it, you're going to have a great speech on the big day. That was a lot of great advice in what you just said. Right. Um, it was very fast. So if we need to back up and break it down, we can't. No, no, look, it's, um, I think there's some great questions there. As you said, we can reach out to you. We can go to your, your website. More importantly, we can get your book and you've got all these questions in there. Um, I think breaking it down into having a few great stories of each and really picking yeah. the one that you said, it really honors them. And it, uh, and I think, you know, a great story might start with, a, you know, de depending on the expertise you want to go into, start with the story, a little bit of drama and then reveal, you know, how great the individual is, you know, whether it be their honor or whether character or, um, you know, how they were heroic in some sense. Even if the story is hammed up a little bit, um, it can that can still make a great speech because everyone knows that the story is not 100% true, but what you're doing is you're, you're delivering in such a way to reveal how great this individual is. And I think everyone appreciates that as opposed to someone literally just um, ragging on them the entire time and, and bringing them down, which does right. no one any good. <laughs> you want to bring them up and exaggeration is perfectly okay to do. You've got that artistic license to take. Yeah. And uh, I think exaggeration is probably 
uh, my key element as a celebrant. Uh, not going too far, but just to, to share a good story. Sometimes you've got to add a bit of spice. That's and right. Then I think, as well, you mentioned, a good speech is three to five minutes. And I think that time frame is is really good to share. Uh, and we've all sat at speeches that are 20 minutes long. Uh, and then some of us have sat with speeches that are 40 minutes long. And some, I've been told, have even gone on an hour. And oh, I'm man. not sure. Like, what? what's your advice for someone to do? This is probably more of an MC thing, but even for, for couples, if someone is going on and they're just going on and on and they're almost going through someone's entire life story, but the point is not actually, there's no real, it's not really doing anything. Everyone's just like, you know, you hear people getting up and leaving halfway during speech because they're just like, this is just pointless. Like, what should the couple do there? Oh man, that is that is tricky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very tricky. I think if you can catch the person's eye and make a motion um, that you know, with you know, to your hand, like to your arm, like to your wristwatch, that you know, we're running short on time. Mm. But I think what I would want to do instead is prepare people ahead of time for what the time limits are on the toast. Yeah. So this yeah. is something that you as a bride or a groom can send out ahead of time saying, look, we're keeping toast to three to five minutes at the wedding, which means they're going to be about 450 to 600 words. We're doing this to respect everyone's time and because there are multiple people giving the toast. And of course, we want to save enough time for the dancing and the celebration later on. Yeah. So I think you want to be proactive about that, that you can give the time limit, but also the word count limit too, so that people know when they're actually writing their speech, how long um, three to five minutes really is, which is yeah. about 450 to 600 words max on a page, which honestly, after you get writing for a little bit is not very much. Hmm. Um, and then it takes a little bit of pressure off of people too, when they realize, oh, I've just written, you know, two pages and that should be enough for three to five minutes. That's enough for the speech. So yeah. I would definitely want to be proactive about it rather than worrying about it actually happening at the wedding and someone taking that time to be a little bit extra. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Prepare beforehand. And it can be hard, I think, trying to, I'm just thinking back to when you see someone speaking, you know, from the cuff, you know, from the heart. And uh, if they're a bit nervous, they realize that the speech isn't going as well as they'd like to. And so they just kind of keep sharing more and more to try and get it better, make a better speech. But it, it's sort of then just digging a hole for themselves, which is uh, right. hard to watch. So I think talking to them beforehand, giving them a really specific amount of time, I think words as well is even better if you give them X amount of words. Was that... Um, 400 words, did you say? Yeah, we speak around 150 words per minute. Um, that's the average amount that the, uh, a person speaks. Okay. So, you know, if it's a three minute speech, that'd be 450 words. Um, and then you just uh, add on to that up to five. I believe that gets you up to 750 at the most. Um, okay. So, you know, around there is, is around what you want to hit um, at, at the most to deliver your speech is around 750 words for a five minute speech. Um, so that's just one way to look at it. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I think that's good. I think um, if you tell people time, that's one thing. And you give some people more specific, you know, these are your max amount of words. Um, that could be work quite well too. Okay. And you just mentioned in the final, is 
go out for those who are preparing, just go over it and over it and over it again. Is there a better way to actually prepare one's speech and rehearsing? Sure. I love to do what's called scaffolded memorization. So what you do is you take the whole text of the speech and you write it out word for word. Then you get real comfortable with giving that word for word speech. Then you rewrite it after you're pretty comfortable with it as just an outline. So you put the big ideas onto the page. Then you try giving your speech again with just those big ideas on the page. And you forgive yourself if not every word is in the right place, like in every ah, then, and but is in the right place. That's okay. That's not a big problem. Just as long as you're getting the big ideas across. Once you're comfortable with that draft, you write another one that's a shorter outline. And then you just keep repeating the process until you can distill those big ideas down onto just a set of note cards. And you can give your speech from those note cards. So you want to start with the, all the words and then work down until you just have note cards at the end. And that should get your speech internalized where your note cards are there just as backup. I like that. Just, you're just distilling the speech further and further. And uh, in doing so, you are left with your key points and you know it incredibly well. Hmm. And I, I do think the, the better you know a speech and what you're going to say, the easier it is to share. And I think, uh, I think sometimes people get scared about doing that preparation beforehand because it's going to reveal how nervous they're actually feeling. And the best thing is to actually face that and go through it again and again and again so that when you're there, you've already worked through the nerves. You've already worked through the little kinks and uh, you've really ironed everything out you, you know what you're going to say, um, but it does take the, you've got to give it the time and you've got to face up to the fact that um, maybe I need to change that. Maybe that's not as, maybe I could say that better. Uh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, as part what of I suggest that people do as well is to um, speak it out loud and record yourself mm. and then play it back. Um, so use a voice recorder app that's on your phone, play back the speech after you've given it out loud and you're going to hear the awkward phrases. You're going to hear the jokes that don't land. You're going to hear the parts that you like and don't like of your speech. And it's just going to be a self-editing tool for you. Yeah, perfect. It's also another great way to get that into your, your memory. Is it listening mm -hmm. to it? Um, you know, sharing, you're hearing, picking up on multiple, um, multiple variations of terms of, oh, I could say that better or, or I'm not going to say that. Um, or the, oh, that, that will work really well and actually ingrain it into your memory. Let's, uh, we've got, we'll just finish on two more questions. The, la the second last is, what do we do? What does a couple do if they know they have someone they love getting up to share, but they are quite worried about what the person's going to say? And that could be for a lot of different reasons. I think one is, the humor is they're worried the humor is quite different to what everyone else will be or everyone else has. What do you recommend to the couple when they're worried about someone who's about to get up at their wedding and deliver a speech, but they want them to deliver a speech? Yeah. So I think it goes back to being proactive and even having um, rules or guidelines set out, you know, ahead of time as to what is, you know, off topic versus what can be, you know, talked about in, in the speeches. 
It doesn't have to be like something super serious or anything. Uh, it can be something very lighthearted about, you know, hey, don't tell this story or don't tell that story. Um, but if you're super worried about it, you know, have a conversation with the person ahead of time um, about what their speech might entail. Um, and, you know, be frank. If there are certain things that that person knows about your past that you really don't want out there, say, look, you know, that story from college about this one girl is off limit. It's perfectly okay to be that blunt with someone um, sure. if you really don't want it up there. Um, you know, it's your big day. You should at least have some say over it. You don't have to be, you know, editing everyone's you know remarks ahead of time. But, you know, you can definitely say certain things are off limit. Let's make sure that we keep this family friendly. Let's keep it in the PG rated, you know, humor category. You can give guidelines like that that aren't restrictive, but at least are helpful in saying, look, you know, this is a family affair. Let's keep it family friendly. Those types of rules can help people then level set what they want to say in light of, you know, your your guidelines that you're giving them. Um, and then, you know, if you're truly worried about that person delivering the speech, you may even want to say to them, look, we just want you to enjoy the evening and, you know, let them off the hook and say, you know, you don't have to deliver a toast if you don't want to. Um, so that's another route that you could go as well. We, you just say, look, we want you to enjoy the evening. Not everyone's going to give a toast. We're going untraditional this year or non-traditional. And mm -hmm. only you know, maybe one or two people are giving toast or something like that. So that's another thing you can do as well. Just give them an out saying that they don't have to give it. And that may actually put them at ease because they could just be super nervous. And that's why they want to tell those bad jokes is it's really just a function of nerves. And if you let them off the hook, then you might be in a better spot as a result. Perfect. Great. And I think a lot of people do enjoy having a more non-traditional wedding. And I think that could be part of it is it's uh, you're not obligated to give someone the microphone uh, and they don't have to. Right. But yes, again, 22, we can do what we want at a wedding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now that we're even allowed to have weddings. Um, right. But we are, it's a sense of, it's a lot of the, a great speech and what makes a lot of the great speeches are, it, it happens in the, the talk that happens beforehand, giving them the guidelines that you're comfortable with. And uh, then it's really on the person with them going through their own preparation, which start starts with, um, some questions going through writing out some you know what is important about this person you know what do you love about this person what's great about them writing out some stories and then uh, once they prepare this speech as they go through it distill it until they really have it nailed down into a few main uh, almost sub you know, categories subtopics themselves mm -hmm. and then uh, after sharing you know getting up and sharing that and uh, look there is probably so much more we keep talking about, but I'm going to direct people to uh, one, your website, which is ricespeechwriting.com. And we'll have all of these in the show notes. Now your book is about to come out. How do people get a hold of this? Sure. It's on Amazon right now, ready for pre-order. It's called Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact by Eddie Rice. And you can uh, pre-order it then. And then by April 18th, the um, ebook and the print edition will both be available at the same time. So right now it's just oh. the ebook that's ready for pre-order on the 18th of April. Um, all the editions will be ready to go. And then a few months later, we'll have the audio book as well. 
fan. I was about to say, you're going to have an audiobook because I'm an audiobook person. So good to know. There you go. Perfect. We'll make sure everyone can have access to that. Is there any final advice? Your like any just best advice for couples? And I'm okay if you want to branch out of the speech writing for this one, but what's what would be your best advice for couples? I think it just all comes down to preparation. Um, whether you're planning a wedding, planning a speech, it's how well things are prepared ahead of time. Mm. And if you can go into whether it's a speech or the wedding itself, fully prepared, fully relaxed, you're going to have a great time. Um, but even then, there's always some improvisation that's needed, whether it's for a speech or whatever happens at a wedding. Uh, there are going to be parts where you're going to need to do some improv, and you're just going to have to be a little bit okay with that. Mm. Um, surprises are going to happen, um, whether you're giving the speech or whether it's something that happens at the wedding or the wedding reception. Um, there's always some sort of surprise, some sort of hitch that goes off, and you just have to be ready for that. But the more you're prepared, the more you can improv um, on the day of. And that's just something to be ready for. Yeah. Perfect. Preparation. And I think it's realistically, things are going to not go to plan and that's going to be okay. And I think if you have a great team around you of vendors and suppliers, they're going to make sure that you get the best day. And if something or when something doesn't go exactly how it should, uh, they're able to help you course correct. Well, Eddie, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining us. And for those who are joining us via YouTube, I apologize. My camera did break yesterday. Uh, and so we also need to give credit to Eddie, who's been staring at a, a blank screen this entire time. Um, but Eddie, you've done so well. Thank you for your advice. I know my couples are going to love this. Uh, so I really appreciate that. And I'm very excited for your book to come out. Thank you, Peter. It was a wonderful conversation. I enjoyed it tremendously. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, go onto Eddie's website and grab his book. Uh, there's so many different ways to get it, but it'll be in the show notes. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. We do it.